Peter chapter 1 this evening. 2 Peter chapter 1. You're looking at verses 3 to 8 in 2 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, give me all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to the virtue knowledge, to knowledge temperance, to the temperance patience, to the patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor fruitful. In the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the privilege of gathering together this evening, Lord, this church. And we thank you for the, the privilege we have in our country to do that, Lord. We pray for those around the world that don't have that privilege, Lord. Just please be with them and be with us tonight as we study your word. Just be with me and just help me to speak your words, Lord. And we pray. Amen. So our message tonight is going to focus on... Uh, the uh, verse 7 where it says, add to godliness brotherly kindness. Our message tonight is just about brotherly kindness. So faith, faith here gets us into God's family. And faith forms a foundation upon which the, the rest of our life is built. The rest of our Christian life is built. Virtue keeps us from getting trapped and defeated by sin. Uh, knowledge gives me the answers I need for the problems I face, for the uncertainties and troubles. Temperance just helps me to, to stay not from going highs and lows, stay a little bit more tempered. It helps me have some self-control. Patience enables me to wait on God. And as I grow, as I struggle, He has grace with me. And then I should have patience with others as well, since the Lord has patience with me. And next comes godliness. And it's directed towards the world that I live in. It's reflected in how I interact with God, how I interact with others around me. And the main emphasis of, of religions today or churches or these uh, speakers, religious speakers, is just to, to be kind, just have to be your best you, be kind, love everybody. But notice that the Bible says that brotherly kindness or to be kindness is something that can only come, can only be accomplished after all these other things are a part of our life. Brotherly kindness comes after faith. It comes after virtue. It comes after knowledge. It comes after temperance. It comes after patience. And brotherly kindness comes after godliness. So let's give a, a definition to brotherly kindness. It's just it's a uniquely Christian concept. John thirteen thirty four says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. Brotherly love is treating Christians like they are family, because they are family. First Peter 2 17, honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Love brotherhood, love the brethren, love our fellow Christians. So why should we treat fellow Christians this way? Why should we treat fellow Christians with brotherly love? Because we have the same heavenly father. We have the same master we're all in the same family, the family of God. We're all traveling through this strange land together. And we're all heirs of the same inheritance. So brotherly love proves our faith. Loving and caring about Christians is a proof you are a Christian. 
1 John 3, verses 14, 18, and 19. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. Loving and caring about other Christians is proof we're Christians. So we're going to look at an example of brotherly kindness this evening. We're going to look at Joseph and how he extended that brotherly kindness to his brothers. Uh, that, that account's found in Genesis chapters 37 to 45. So Joseph was, just a little background, if we all know this, but Joseph was favored by his father. His brothers, however, did not practice brotherly love toward Joseph. Instead, they let jealousy ruin their home. They hated, they envied, they ultimately abused their brother. They even thought about killing their brother. Then they decided to sell him. In Genesis chapter 39, Joseph is now gone. Into slavery he went for the next 13 years and into prison. And But then God raised up Joseph as a ruler to rule Egypt, to be a prince in Egypt. But Joseph still won't meet his brothers again for several more years. But through it all, God was with Joseph. God did not abandon Joseph. Though his brothers did, those circumstances looked very bad and very bleak to him. God was with Joseph. God did not abandon Joseph. God had a plan for Joseph's life. He was working it out. Uh, sometimes we can be treated badly or be treated not good or, or people can just do things to us that just don't set right with us or we can, even family can maybe treat us not the greatest sometimes. But God is with us. God's not going to leave us. And God's going to work it out in our life for us. Genesis chapter 39 verse 2 and 21 says, And the Lord was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And in verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The Lord was with Joseph, verse 2, chapter 39, and the Lord was with Joseph. It says again in verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph. For the Lord's children, he's with us. Uh, things may seem to be stacked against us, going against us, there may be circumstances in our life is weighing heavy on us, maybe just, just a relationship or a friendship or, or something that's weighing heavy on us and, and people are treating us wrong or something like that, but God is with us. God is with us. It says the Lord is with Joseph, the Lord is with me, the Lord is with you, the Lord is with us. So Joseph does see his brothers again though. Joseph will see his brothers again after 22 years. You see that in Genesis chapter 42. So we're going to pick up this account in Genesis 44. If you can turn with me to Genesis chapter 44, we're going to start reading in verse 18. Genesis 44, we're going to start reading in verse 18. We're going to read on down through the rest of the chapter, starting in verse 18 in Genesis 44. We're going to pick up this account about Joseph. Uh, this is after their initial meeting, and this is Joseph when he uh, reveals himself to his brothers. You see that Genesis 44, starting in verse 18. Then Judah came near unto him and said, O my Lord, let thy servant, I pray thee, speak a word in my Lord's ears. And let not thine anger burn against thy servant, for thou art even as Pharaoh. My Lord asked his servant, saying, Had ye a father or a brother? And we said unto my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a child of his old age. 
a little one, and his brother is dead. And he alone is left of his mother, and his father loveth him. And thou saidst unto thy servants, Bring him down unto me, and I may set mine eyes upon him. And we said unto my Lord, The lad cannot leave his father, for he should leave his father, and his father would die. And thou saidst unto thy servants, Except your youngest brother come down with you, he shall see my face no more. And it came to pass, when we came up unto thy servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And our father said, Go again, and buy us a little food. And we said, We cannot go down if our youngest brother be with us. But then we will then will we go down, for we may not see the man's face, except our youngest brother be with us. And thy servant my father said unto us, Ye know that my wife bare me two sons. And the one went out from me, and I said, Surely he is torn in pieces, and I saw him not since. If ye take this also from me, and mischief befall him, ye shall bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to the grave. Now therefore, when I come to see thy servant, my father, and the lad be not with us, seeing that his life is bound up in the lad's life, it shall come to pass that when he seeth that the lad is not with us, that he will die, and thy servant shall bring down the gray hairs of thy servant our father with sorrow to the grave. For thy servant became surety for the lad unto my father, saying, If I bring him not unto thee, then I shall bear the blame to my father forever. Now therefore I pray thee, let thy servant abide instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord, and let the lad go up with his brother. For how shall I go up to my father, and the lad be not with me? Thus peradventure I see the evil that shall come on my father. So we have the account of Joseph about ready to reveal himself to his father, to his brethren, excuse me. Continuing on in chapter 45. Then Joseph would not refrain himself before all of them that stood by, and he cried, Cause every man to get out to go out from me. And there stood no man with him. While Joseph made himself known unto his brethren, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. So to his brothers, Joseph initially put on a hard surface, especially in his first interactions with them. We can see some cracks in that resolve though as we, we read through the various encounters with his brothers. But after hearing Joseph's Offer, excuse me, after hearing Judah's offer, knowing that his brothers are on a solid road to repentance, he cannot hold back the flood of emotion. Remember that it has been love that has led Joseph to adopt this course action of testing his brothers. Uh, the desire to see them, the desire for them to confront their sins and turn from their wickedness, and the, the hope that one day that he might be able to embrace them, that relationship might be restored, and he can openly embrace them and rejoice together. God's goodness with him. So that would have been his, his motivation. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. So love has been motivation how Joseph's been treating his brothers. Real love is truthful and is not hypocritical on either side. Real love can be tough and stern when needed. I know sometimes a, a father can be a little tough to be tough to your little ones. It can be a little tough to, uh, you just want to, especially our little girl. It's real tough for me to be tough to our little girl sometimes. But real love is tough. Real love, you know, has to exercise some toughness or some discipline. Has to, yeah, that's real love. That's, you know, so sometimes real love is tough. Real love can be stern when needed. And real love can be gentle in time. And the toughness is no longer needed. 
Joseph displayed real love to his brethren. He was tough initially, but only for their good. Then he broke with compassion and tears when he saw the change that had been wrought in his brothers. So a change had occurred in his brothers. When Judah, whom Joseph remembered, had made the suggestion, he sell him into slavery and now offered himself as a slave so that Benjamin might return to their father, safely to their father. Joseph realized, these are not the same men that abandoned me. These are not the same men. They've changed. Joseph knew that God has made new men out of my brothers. Now, this is the goal of our Heavenly Fathers, exposing our sins, testing us, confronting us, breaking our hearts. It's, it's their goal to restore that loving relationship with Christ. That loving relationship with God and man is the goal behind that. So we should trust God's intentions. Know that his only desire is bringing his waves and bills. His only desire to bring those trials, those, those waves, those things over us. Is, is to receive us as his children purified through the storm. So that we can do good, so we can serve him. So that we can be better as a result of that storm. So Joseph wept. Rare is a prayer or petition like Judah's was. He was he, evidence of his utter transformation was before Joseph. He transformed from that selfish brother to a sacrificing brother. And his willingness to suffer for another demonstrated that. Joseph can't hold it back anymore. He begins to cry. With his last effort at composure, he turns to it, turns to his, his cry of joy, the demanding cry for all the servants to leave his presence. Everybody Get out of here, except these men. The door shut. Joseph then begins to weep. He's no longer the second in command of Egypt, but simply Joseph, the son of Jacob, and a loving brother. I cannot imagine. Uh, when I, a lot of times when I read the Bible, I try to just picture you know, it in my mind, like a, kind of like a movie in my mind, just kind of picture it in my mind. And I cannot imagine what his brothers have been thinking at that moment. Here is a second in command of Egypt. What's going on? It seems like he starts to cry. He sends everybody out of the room. What's happening? What's going on? You know, he, he, he said he cried so loud that the Pharaoh's house, it says, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. That's how loud Joseph is crying over this. That's how emotional he's getting. So I was reading about that, trying to figure out how, trying to place myself. I, I think I'd be pretty scared. I don't know what's going on yet. They don't know it's Joseph. I don't think he realizes it's Joseph yet. He hasn't totally revealed himself yet. What's going on? What's about to happen? I was reading a commentary. One of them put it this way. Only a cold and likely dead heart can remain unmoved by the scene. See the family in a higher kingdom drama unfolding as Joseph revealed himself as the savior of his family. So with the revelation that reveals himself as Joseph, also heavy terrors go through their minds, go through their bodies, go through their emotions. Verse 3 of 45 says, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer, for they were troubled at his presence. I can imagine them not being able to answer that. They sold him into slavery. They said he was dead. They hadn't even thought of him probably that much for, except for the guilt, you know, that much for 22 years. Now he's saying, I am Joseph. Talk about three words that can change a situation just like that. I am Joseph. I can't imagine that. Even I mean, I just even trying to picture my mind. I, I read it. I just get chills down my back just picturing it in my mind, thinking about that. When he said those three words, "I am Joseph," I can't imagine how they felt and then the reactions they had, what they were thinking, and probably panic and terror, and just whatever else was going through their minds. 
says, I am Joseph. Words spoken in Hebrew, no interpreter, he sent everybody out. Two worlds are now colliding. Then he says, he doesn't say, I am Joseph, and I'm going to kill every one of you right now. You're all executed. You're, you're, you're dead men. He doesn't say that. He said, he said, does my father yet live? They had told him. I think he wanted to hear it, make sure they were truthful. They were telling the, the commander or the person in charge of all of Egypt, maybe they thought he just wanted to hear that the father's alive. So he wanted to hear for real. Is my father alive? Does my father yet live? He is all love, instant nearness to them. But they're terrified. Someone once described it this way. I am Joseph. Felt like God's gavel upon their consciences. Many things began to make more sense to some of them. About 20 years of guilt and hiding and resulting soul shrinkage were suddenly exploded like a balloon pierced by a pen. It rose before them out of the depths of the guilty conscience. The old hatred, seeing the teenage Joseph approaching, grabbing, and stripping them to eat their dinner as their brother cried from the pit, selling them to slave traders, breaking Jacob's heart with their lies. And oh, now the inexplicable things this man seemed to have known and pointed questions and actions that brought back their old crimes. Believe, just putting it mildly, they were shocked. They were, they were shocked at this point. They had to feel guilt. They had to feel terrified. This is Joseph. They had suddenly been brought face to face with their sin and years of buried guilt. They had the feeling of fear, shock, Overwhelming guilt, I'm sure, overwhelming shame, all instantly at the same time. But then he says, Come near, I am your brother. Verse 4, Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Come near to me, come closer to me. He wanted to speak more quietly to them. Servants, maybe he's afraid, maybe they were listening at the, at the door, and he says, Come near. I am Joseph, your brother. Perhaps he lowered a volume a little bit and said, whom he sold into Egypt. He didn't want their their their, their crimes published about. He wanted to send everybody out. He says, I am your brother. So now all doubts have vanished. Somehow this was Joseph before them, the one they sold into slavery. He stood before them as the ruler of Egypt. They trampled him. They threw him in the pit. But he was now there before them, and they were before him. And he wants only to embrace them as brothers. He doesn't want revenge. He doesn't want to do something to them. He doesn't want to execute them. He just wants to embrace them as brothers. Joseph, with the snap of his fingers, no doubt could have had him executed. But he just wanted to show them kindness. He just wanted to show them love. Someone wrote this. They stood there alarmed, dumbstruck, looking at each other. With all the pain of condemned criminals walking to the gallows. Their brother would repay them now, but slow to grasp the God of mercy and the grace of his covenant. They were slow to understand their brother. So now let's, let's bring this let's bring this back to us. Let's bring it back to us. Is this how we would react to someone who had wronged us so much? Who had hurt us that deeply? Who had wronged us that terribly? Would we have a reaction of I'm your brother. I love you. Come near to me. Would we react that way? I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I would react that way every single time. I think that's something I would. I would take a little bit of the Lord give me some strength to react that way. But we react that way. He says, "Just come near. All is forgiven. We're brothers. 
we react that way. Where we say, all is forgiven. Come here. We're brothers in Christ. Let's work on restoring this relationship. I've missed you. And then when we show them some open affection. I I think that's something that would take some to the Lord's help. I think someone really hurt us that bad. I hope and pray I would, we all would react that way. But this can be a difficult thing to do. A brother or Christian wrongs us that deeply. But we are told not to return evil for evil, but return love and brotherly kindness for that evil. Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So we are to react that way, or forgiving, react the way Joseph reacted. But how do we, what, what is some ways that we can overcome some bitterness, some resentment that might set in, and someone that wronged us terribly, and it's, it's just been building up, we kind of let it build up. So if you turn with me again to Ephesians, excuse me, Genesis chapter 45, we're going to read verses 5 to 15. Genesis 45, we're read verses 5 to 15. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves, that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you of posterity in the earth, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh, and lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Haste ye, go up to my father, and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God may be lord of all Egypt, come down unto me, tarry not. And thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen, and thou shalt be near unto me, and thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks, and thy herds, and all that thou hast. And there will I nourish thee. For yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household, and all that thou hast, come to poverty. And behold, your eyes see in the eyes of my brother, Benjamin, that it is my mouth that speaketh unto you. Ye shall tell my father all my glory in Egypt, and of all they have seen, and ye shall haste and bring down my father hither. And he fell upon his brother Benjamin's neck, and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Nor he kissed all his brethren, and wept upon them. And after that his brethren talked with him. And I read that, I sometimes get a little choked up when I read that part. And he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren and wept upon them. And after that, his brethren talked with him. That's just such a scene to behold, such a scene to imagine. That just that forgiveness that he had, that love that he had. But Joseph's attitudes and explanations to his brothers are a compelling study in a way to overcome bitterness and resentment. Joseph had many years to stoke those fires of vengeance and had to let that bitterness build up. But when the moment came, he only wanted to embrace and comfort his brothers. Comfort them for the guilt they had for what they did to him. He wanted to embrace them, wanted to comfort them, wanted to love on them. No fiery wrath, no judgment issued from the throne. Only a cooling overture of brotherly love and a soft answer. God had refined Joseph in the Firmness of affliction. And Joseph had long meditated on upon the purposes and workings of God in his life and in his family. Nothing quenches a vengeful spirit in the mistreatment we receive from others or more strongly inclines us to do good to them than the confidence that the Lord directs all things for his glory and for 
for our good. So thinking about this passage in about Joseph and our example, I thought of Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good. For them that love God, for them who are the called according to his purpose. We know that all things work together for good. Joseph even said it was it wasn't you, it was God that sent me here. God orchestrated this. So God has a purpose in difficulty. Truth of Romans 8, 28 further helps us to see that God has a purpose in difficulties. If God is working for our good in everything, then we see that both the good things and the bad things serve the purpose of furthering the good in our lives. The 18th century pastor and hymn writer John Newton described this truth this way. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. Short, that is powerful. Everything is needful that he sends. Nothing can be needful that he withholds. Simple, profound summation of that truth. Life's troubles, of course, include suffering. Life's troubles include difficulties with fellow Christians, difficulty with family members. This verse shows us a balanced view that people seldom maintain towards these issues. On the one hand, there are people who despair and say, nothing good can come out of this. I don't see how anything good can come out of this. But the text, Romans 8.28, does not say that the things are good, but that God works them for the good. Difficulties, problems, issues, issues with brothers in Christ, issues with family, are not to be enjoyed or welcomed. They are not good, but their results can be worked out for good by God. Then where it says all things, all really means all. Uh, one person described it this way, good and bad, bright and dark, sweet and bitter, easy and hard, happy and sad, prosperity and poverty, health and sickness, calm and storm, comfort and suffering, life and death. He looked at describing what those all things mean. Someone else, other preachers wrote this about what those all things mean. So but what do we know? We know that all things, not a few things, not the good things, not the glorious things, but all things work together for good to them that love God. The sunshine, the rain, the gladness, the sadness, the heartache, the heartbreak, whatsoever, whensoever, they all work together for our good, for God's glory, if we love Him. So with that word, all, verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, really means all, and it does. That means this verse even includes our backslide. Our mistakes, our mistreatments, our sins, God can work that out for the good. Of course, sin is always bad. It's always a terrible thing. We don't want to do that. We always regret it. There's painful consequences to our sin in our life. But God is so good to us and so great. He can even weave our sin, our backslide, our mistakes, our mistreatments to the ultimate good. He can use our sins, our mistakes to, to teach us something. Our sins, our mistakes, we can use that as advice. We can say, I went this way. You don't want to go that way. Go this way with your life. We, we can use that. God can even use that for our good. Our humble failures can be used for our good or for others' good. God can use it for the good. So there's faith. We have faith in God's plan, faith in God's goodness. Three times now, Joseph directs his brother's attention to the truth that God sent me here. Yes, you were the human instruments. He had evil motives, evil intentions, but God, God sent me here. This is part of God's plan. And it was for our good. 
faith in God's goodness and his wisdom of his plans and dealings with us settles our hearts and makes us willing to bear injury. Our thoughts should be when we are suffering, or suffering for righteousness' sake, or, or feel the world's uh, mocking, or, or just difficulties ensuing, or we get bad treatment from family members or from friends, that even this, God can even work this for the good. You do not need to understand the reason. You need only to know that God has sent it and yield to his purposes to trust him, even possibly broken and pleading heart. Job 121, it said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked I shall return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So we need to freely forgive all offenses. We need to not we also need to not be angry with ourselves. We must have concerned them more than anything else. What is Joseph going to do to us? Then he tells them to not be angry with yourselves. Joseph is letting them know that he has no plans for vengeance. He doesn't want them to get on themselves. And God worked this out for our good. So what they did, they did. It's over. It's in the past. God sent them into Egypt. Don't be angry at themselves. God worked it out for the good. So could we, or would we react the same way that Joseph did? Will we embrace them openly? Will we forgive them? Will we do all that? Will we tell them, don't even be hard on yourself. Don't be angry at yourself. Let's just restore this relationship. God's going to work it out for the good. Let's just get this relationship restored and, and get this family back the way it needs to be again. I mean, I think we, I think I would be tempted to be like, all right, they really want to feel bad. They can feel bad. Now, I think I might be tempted to do that. I, mean, I, I might do with some of the other things, but, but we need to just say, don't even be encouraged. Don't even feel bad. Just don't even get angry at some God will work this out for the good. So could we or would we react the same way? Matthew 5.44, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Joseph says, God sent me here, dear brothers, to preserve our lives. We are about the beginning of the famine. There will be no attempt at farming for the next five years. This part of the world will become a dust bowl. And the Lord sent me here at his throne to save you and to save us from this famine. God meant it for good. You enjoy the best of the land. God sent me here to deliver you. You need to focus on his love, focus on his faithfulness, and not what you have done. You are forgiven. Let it stay in the past. We need to focus on God. Focus on God's goodness. Focus on God's will. Focus and trust that God can work it out for the good. Joseph told his brothers to look away. To look away from themselves and to see the goodness of God. See the wisdom of the Lord. See the wisdom of the Lord in the whole matter. Focus on God, not themselves. Focus on God and not what they have done, but just focus on God. We stay focused on God. If we are humble before the Lord, we submit to his providence, submit to his will. We should, even when others offend us, even when others other offenses occur, or others do things against us, we can see that that can be used by God for the good in our life. Others may sin in the way they treat us. This is certainly true in the way the world treats Christians, treats the church. But the Lord uses this treatment, refines our faith, and gives us opportunity to display mercy. So we may forgive our enemies as the Lord has so wondrously forgiven us. We need to keep our focus on the Lord. We need to prefer others over self. 
Joseph said, tell my father and bring me to me in verses 9 to 13. Given no time to object, the little time to take in his unveiling, he immediately lays out his plan for their deliverance. Go and tell my father I'm alive. Tell him I rule Egypt. Tell him Pharaoh does not lift a finger throughout this kingdom without me. Go and tell him these things. And bring the whole family here. Joseph's plans were deeply thought out, deeply laid. The land of Goshen near the location of the royal court, and the upper Egypt would be their dwelling place. We are to put aside bitterness, put aside a vengeful spirit. We must also think upon the Lord's larger purpose, his will, prefer the joy we can bring to others through that love, through that expressing that forgiveness to to the instead of the injury that we want to inflict upon them for mistreating us. Think about how we can show God's love to them instead of trying to get even with them. Life is too short, God's grace is too precious, Christ is too precious to waste a moment thinking about self that we better spend thinking about how we can do good to others, how we can minister to others, how we can encourage others, how we can show God's love to others. Psalm thirty five point seven. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Showing sincere affection. We need to show sincere affection. It's sometimes hard for us to be treated. Sometimes hard for us to be treated generously before I'm receiving of that. Mercifully against those that we've sinned against, those we've offended. It would be easier sometimes for them just to be harsh with us. We expect this in some measure. It's almost easier just to accept the punishment than, than them to give no punishment at all. Just love and mercy. It's forgiveness. Let's just get restore that relationship. When we're on the, we're the ones that did the wrong. Sometimes we want just to receive a little bit. I feel like we, we need to receive that. But Joseph was free from his selfishness. He was free from his pride. He had no plans to exact revenge. He didn't want them to, to think about that as well. Throwing Benjamin to his side, he hugged him and hugged him. We'd be tears of joy. He kissed and wept over all his brothers. That relationship restored. I don't want any harm to come to you. Don't think bad about yourselves. God meant it for the good. God used it for the good. Let's let's restore this family relationship. Uh, someone described it this way: Their amazement still burned hotly, but they were able to talk about the past, the twenty-year gap, the present, and the future. If Joseph's words did not fully melt their hearts, his affection for them did. How can you not fall utterly in love with a man whom you tried to kill and sold into slavery, slavery, but who now freely forgives your crimes, saves your life from destruction, and gives you the world as a gift, and then takes such delight in doing all of that for you? Well, I hope we feel this way enough. Our Lord Jesus Christ. For he has been this kind of Savior to all of us. This kind of elder brother. This kind of friend to us. Jesus is the ultimate example of brotherly kindness. The ultimate act. The ultimate display. The ultimate example of brotherly kindness. What Jesus Christ did on the cross for all of us. How he suffered. How he died. How he rose again so that we might have the chance to be saved. The chance to accept that free gift of salvation. The chance to believe in him as our Savior. But what are we doing, or what have we done with this ultimate act of brotherly kindness? Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? Have you trusted Him? We need to trust Him. We need to accept that ultimate act of brotherly kindness on our behalf. So we're going to have some lessons to learn from this, and then we'll close out. 
how would you handle a family situation like Joseph's? Took some lessons that Joseph displayed his brotherly kindness. Number one, he loved them still. We need to love them still. Joseph did not stay angry or let himself grow bitter at them. We need not stay angry. We need not let ourselves grow bitter. We need to choose to love them still. Not withhold our love. Love them in spite of the wrong. Be kind to them regardless how we feel. Let them see and feel the love of Christ that is within us. Number two, he left the past in the past. We need to leave the past in the past. No revenge was sought by Joseph. He left the past in the past. He did not dwell on how we will get even when someone close to us has wronged us. We need to leave the past in the past. We do not bring up past wrongs. We need to not let our mind dwell on past wrongs. Focus on our Savior, not the wrongs of the past. Matthew 6, 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Don't seek vengeance. Don't seek payback. Seek to display the love of Christ. Instead, leave the past in the past. Number three, Joseph lent them a hand when they needed it most. We need to lend them, those that wronged us, we need to lend them a hand when they need it the most. Joseph took care of them. He blessed them. He did not let them fend for themselves. He saw they had a need. He was in a position to meet that need, so he helped them. We can show our brotherly kindness possibly the best when we help out our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We hear of a need, seek to meet that need. Pray for the need to be met. Pray for that concern. Be generous with what the Lord has given us. Even those, even to those who have made, have wronged us, or we think they've wronged us. Number four, Joseph loved them openly. We need to love them openly. He was not ashamed to show them off to his, as often as brothers. These are my brothers. I love them. We've been crying. He was not ashamed to show them off as his brethren. He loved on them. He openly showed affection on them, even though they had so greatly wronged him and hurt him. He needed to demonstrate the love of Christ, even to those that we may not feel like demonstrating it to. So how does this apply to us? How do we apply this to our family, to our church? Ephesians 4, 29 and 32. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, for by your seal unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you, with all malice, and be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How we react to mistreatment is far more important than how we were treated. Is that, is God with us? Yes, He is for Christians. Does God have a plan for each and every one of us? Will God work that out for our good? For He good? Yes, He will. Can we be a blessing in spite of the wrong? We can do things not because someone is worthy, because they're family, because they're a brother or sister in Christ. You show brotherly kindness with, with fervency, with frequency, and ask God to help us with all that we do. Lord, we thank you.